You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. Here's some quotes for you. Opportunity is missed by most folks because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. That, that's Thomas Edison. Find a job you enjoy and you'll never work a day in your life. You've probably heard that before, but that's most associated with Mark Twain. Give it to Mark Twain to be able to tell us that. Here's my favorite proverb around work. Go to the ant, you sluggard. It's just, I just enjoy saying that word. Con- consider, it, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer, gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, slumber, a little folding of your hands to rest, and and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed bandit. I love that passage of scripture. Um, This morning, we begin a three-part series on work called God at Work. As early as I can remember working for my father, somebody would say, um, are you working hard or are you hardly working? And I think that's reserved um, for for an old man to say. Um, That's generally the men that said it to me, or maybe small towns. That was a small town thing. Um, It seemed to divide people into two different kind of work groups. One was they worked hard as work as their identity, and the other dodged hard work kind of as their identity. Um, I have seen, even in my short lifetime, I have seen how people's work have changed. Um, my father's generation tended to stay with one company for the, the length of their employment. So it was kind of like their security. And my dad was an entrepreneur business owner, but he stayed with Exxon. God forbid you put any other gasoline in any engine, whether it was your lawnmower or your car, other than Exxon. He had, he had built that into me at such a degree that I'd be driving 800 miles to college, and I kept watching to find the sign that said Exxon, no matter how, because I just knew he would know right? Some ping would develop and it would be my fault. So, so that's my father's generation and some of your generation in here. You kind of stayed locked in with that company. Then there became my generation. My generation stayed with the same skill set, um, but we had little issue with changing companies. So our education, our training, our skill set, that kind of was where our security rested. Now this generation, this is an overgeneralization, but this generation is more fluid in their skills more fluid in the jobs, more fluid in the companies they work for. And I think technology is the biggest game changer there because it put information, it put training, it put education all at the fingertips. Um, They also have seen their parents chain to their work and they don't want work to be their life. They want their life to be their life. Anybody? Young with me? Okay. So this is what's given rise to what's called the gig economy. The gig economy actually is aptly named for Nashville, right? It's the gig economy. It means the, the piece together of, of, of the work that you like to do in enough ways in which to get you to do what you want to do, right? So, so I think it's been mischaracterized that the current generation doesn't have the work ethic of their parents. It's, I think it's a, mis, it's a misapplied. They just want to work differently uh, and for different purposes than maybe my generation did. The reason why I can say it's an overgeneralization is because my dad didn't think I had the work ethic he did. Right? And so, and his dad probably the same way, right? So we always, we always tend, to, tend to believe that we work harder than anybody else, first of all, right? And then especially as it relates to generations. Um, 
So, you know, you could say that my father's generation worked for the company. You could say that my generation worked for ourselves. I'm, the, um, I'm either the oldest Xer uh, or the youngest boomer, kind of, in, in my time frame. Um, and the discrepancy, though, in all these different identities of work life is the lack of consistency of seeing God as the originator of work. Not companies, not ourselves, even this altruistic idea that's really, really, really prominent now is I want to do a work that matters. How many times have you heard that? I want to do work that matters. But the discrepancy is seeing the identity in what the work either does or who I'm working for or my particular skill set. And I would say the only way to find true, fulfilling purpose in our work is to find our identity in God first. It applies in every area of your life, but it's something happens, we go to work and some kind of switch flips and we try to treat it and see it like, it's, like we put on a whole different self in order to do what we're doing and then we get done and then we put back on a different kind of self. And I believe the only way to find fulfillment and purpose in our work is to find our identity and God first. And the beauty of that is our identity in God, our identity in Christ is portable. It's not anchored into this building. It's not anchored into if you have a devotional chair. It's not anchored in if you have a devotional time. It's not anchored. It's portable. It crosses all areas of life. And in general, we divide life into two categories. We have our work life, and then we have our private life. And if you're a follower of Christ, then we have a third life. Like, like work life and private life, it's not enough to juggle. We had our spiritual life, right? So we have three sets of lives that we're trying to juggle. But I believe a, there is a healthier approach to life, a more holistic approach to life, if we see all life as sourced by God, that all life emanates from God, and all life finds purpose in his purposes. All. There is no secular sacred kind of bridge that you cross and we'll leave this morning, we'll leave a Sunday Sabbath and we'll cross over from that sacred bridge to your secular bridge, to your private bridge. It's all the same thing. So what are God's purposes for work? That's my part of the message today. The first act of work recorded in scripture is in Genesis 2, 2 and 3, right? So it comes really early. So by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on, the, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy because on it he rested. There's a lot of rest in there mixed in with work, isn't there? Rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So he introduced creating it as work. He introduced rest after work. We'll get to rest at another time. All right. So, and then just in a few verses down, we have Genesis 2.15. So says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. To work it and take care of it, to develop it, to maintain it. All of that is work. So I want you to understand that the first work assigned to man put God and man as co-workers. God and man as co-workers to further his purposes. So we are God's co-workers to further his purposes. I don't know how long that, that process happened before sin, but when sin happens, it messes everything up. Sin always messes everything up. And specifically in the Genesis account, we find that sin even messed work up. Sin messes everything up. So I'm, I'm going to give you three purposes as I see work from Scripture. So our work purpose number one 
is work connects us in a creating partnership with our Father. If he is the creator of work, he creates it, and he calls us into work in partnership with him, then I think it's safe then to assume that work is going to be a partnership with God. The happiest I ever saw my dad was Saturday morning, Saturdays, really, Saturday morning. So the station didn't open at 6.30, open at 8, so we got a little extra sleep. And then we hired a lot of guys out of the air, in the Air Force. So there was an Air Force base nearby, there was an Army base nearby, and my dad was in the Air Force when he got his first job at that station, believe it or not. So, my, so a station owner hired my dad to give him extra work, extra pay so he could support his family. My mom and dad met at that station. So if you wonder why, I, t I almost wore my Exxon coat today. I've got two in the closet, but I decided to wear my Buy a Tree shirt, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about that at the end. But on Saturday, he had, he had good help, so I didn't have to pump as much gas. So he gave me one bay, and he had the other bay. We, it was a small station, two-bay station. So in, in his bay, he would do work that would take longer and actually skill, right? So he would do, do tune-ups, he would do mufflers, he would do front-end alignments. He'll do, it would take him an hour, hour and a half to whatever to, move, to flip his bay. I did oil changes, I sold tires, I changed out batteries. We'd have tires stacked by, this, by the tire machine. I'd move cars in and out. I could move three cars to his one car, and all my dad knew was his son was working next to him, right? And it was always his happiest. He'd smile, we'd get home that afternoon, we'd shut everything down around two o'clock, we'd go home and we'd talk about our day. My dad doesn't talk, okay? My dad didn't talk very much, but he was happy. Why was he happy? Because we were in partnership together with the work that he had established, right? And I don't think it's any different as a, perp as a work purpose for us is to see that when we're, since we were created to work and then we're working that that is a partnership with God and he is enjoying that process and then, and then we enjoy that process with him. I saw the same thing with Annie. We moved here when she was eight. The best church planning advice I was given was involve your family. Annie had a responsibility. Her number one responsibility during setup and teardown was to, to set up the nursery floor because we were in the hallways of Oakview Elementary School. That's where the classroom was, in the hallways. And so we had padded foam floor for the nursery and her responsibility was to get that padded floor down and steam cleaned every Sunday. And we did portable church for six and a half years and I can count on one hand how many times she missed. When grandparents were in town, nope, I'm getting up and going to unload. And, and so we experienced that same kind of joy in this. And I will just tell you, I believe this is a principle that connects us to our Father. It doesn't matter so much what we do for work, but how we do it and who we do it for that connects us to the Father. So Paul says this in Colossians. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work, whatever you do, what, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. I find it particularly poignant here that he's addressing this work narrative to people that were in slavery. 
So you could say this was, this was coerced work, whether they, whether they put themselves in this position because it was a better life, whether they were sold into slavery themselves. How, however, however that happened, Paul is addressing not their position, but he's addressing their disposition. I know our sensitive ears don't like to talk about and hear about slavery. And I know the word has been used in this passage, probably 100 years was used to support that notion. Paul's not addressing that at all. Paul, what Paul's saying is, you're in the position you're in. How many of you are in a work position right now that you probably would rather not be in? Raise your hand. Be honest. You'd rather not be in that position. There's few sheep as hands. I promise you, no one from your office is probably watching today. <laughs> and, they, and they will not be able to recognize you from the back of your head. Now, my mother-in-law can. She knows when y'all are in church. She knows when you guys are here. Um, so, now I've, I've, I've missed my point. Okay, so... so so what he's saying here is, one, is he's immediately making the connection that you're my son or you're my daughter. How is he making that? Because he says your inheritance isn't going to come from what you're doing. Your inheritance is coming from me. Okay? So regardless of what this looks like over here, you're mine. You see me? You making eye contact with me? You're, you're mine. You think you work for them. They think you work for the, you, the, you know, that you work for them. No. You work for me. You work for me. And see, that's how we can adjust our thinking and we can understand that our work is a partnership with Christ when we understand that we work for him. We are his representative. He is going to be the one giving us our inheritance. That's a big, big deal. No matter what your current position at work, that isn't your real position. No matter how much you're able to stick away for your 401k or not, that is not going to be the totality of your inheritance. All right, so work purpose number two. Work provides for my family. Well, there's an obvious thing, isn't it? Work provides for my family. Don't overlook, there's a real aspect of work and it's money. And money is not moral or immoral. Money is amoral, right? I say it all the time around here. I say that money makes a lousy boss, but it makes great tool, right? My favorite money quote I read on a bumper sticker decades ago. It said, money isn't everything, but it sure keeps the kids in touch. <laughs> Everybody that's ever had a college student, all right? My mother used to say a problem isn't a problem if money can solve it. I mean, we couldn't write a check and make Jimmy's heart whole. You follow me? A problem isn't a problem if money can solve it. So many of the proverbs about money have to do how we manage our work. Proverbs 14, 23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Proverbs 21, 5 and 6, the plans of, a, of, a, of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. A fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. There's always, in all out scripture, there's a connection between hard work and provision. Ecclesiastes 5.10, Solomon says, whoever loves money never has enough. Isn't that true? Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. And he's saying, look, I've seen it all from sunup to sundown. And all of that is meaningless. It's meaningless. The central purpose for money, when we read in Scripture, a lot of it is to take care of our biblical responsibilities. In 1 Timothy 5.8, Paul says something pretty hard. He said, a man that doesn't take care of his family is worse than an infidel. And we have another, another scripture that says that, that a, a, a good man leaves inheritance to his children's children. 
There is a, there's a providing nature that's important purpose of our work. When Gateway, Gateway launched, we launched April 1st, 2007. So January 2008, does anyone remember what happened January 2008? January, here's how short our memories are. Housing bubble busts. People's investments dropped 40% in a week. In a week. Trillions of dollars were lost in the economy in a week. So here we are, we're like a nine-month-old church plant. Dude doesn't have a salary. Our church, how are we going to pay the bills if everybody's losing? I mean, it was like one negative. I mean, just turn off the TV, right? Because it was just, a, I mean, the drop, you think the 800-point drops, these were, these were 15, 17, 1,800-point drops in the market a day. And I was scared, and everybody else was scared. And I said, all right, well, Lord, what's my responsibility being a scared pastor, pastoring a scared church? And it was, let's be courageous. And so we kind of stepped in, started speaking into that. Um, the first Sunday after some of that, we gave away, I, I called up uh, volunteers. I said, if anybody wants to have a kingdom assignment, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you're going to volunteer for a kingdom assignment. And 20 people came forward. I gave each of them a $100 bill. So we're just now giving away $2,000 as a church, and I'm trying to figure out how we're going to pay the bills. So your responsibility is to multiply that and or find somebody in this week that God puts in your path that needs that. And man, the stories that came back from grocery store stories to office stories, it was amazing stuff. And I said, listen, folks, God is our source. God is our, our job. Your job is important, but your job is not your life. If you're afraid of your job and you're afraid of the economy right now, man, I, I've just seen it happen so many times. I, I give my way out of it. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, well, if, if this is what I'm going to be most afraid of, well, Lord... What you want? We saw giving go up at church. We, we were paying people's mortgages. Because it hits us all differently, right? Especially this, the way things are working now. The economy is impacting some people differently and it's impacting other people. Now inflation is impacting everybody. You know, a banana is a banana, right? A gallon of gas is a gallon of gas. I mean, some of it is impacting all of us. But it was interesting how it impacted certain segments different than other segments. And then we had people that would lose their job. We'd step in and pay their mortgage. Now, how were we able to do that? Because the church gave. Because the church collectively said, this is what we do. I'll tell you, when, when, when you have a parent that goes down like ours did recently, and you, got, you can't pray. I can tell you all day long, have enough faith to pray. You, you just, it, you can't get it out. That's why the Holy Spirit takes over in some regards with groans that can't be uttered. But then I'm going to tell you, it's your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're a guest with us today, there are some really good people sitting around you. Um, but working, working for money is not, is not a bad thing. It is the thing we are to do. There is a purpose for work, and it is to cash a check. It just, it just happens. So here's the last one. Work purpose number three is work shapes me into the me God intended. Right? So it stands to reason that if we're created to work, that God would use work to shape us. Right? When I look over my work life, I see how I've developed. God didn't waste any of my work experiences. I've worked for three churches before I planted Gateway. And God used all of that. Um, it was 
was it 18 years, 18 years serving churches before the 16th year of planning now Gateway. And God didn't waste anything. And I know sometimes you think I'm just spinning my wheels in the place I'm at. Uh, it's, uh, things are going too slow or I'm being overlooked or blah, blah, blah. Whatever makes you um, uneasy about where you are and what you're doing in work, I will tell you God will use those circumstances to shape you. If you put all your eggs in that work basket, you're, you're really not living a spiritual life anyway. We put our eggs in his basket and say, okay, well, Lord, I mean, I'm not saying you don't change jobs. You can't change jobs. You, don't, you guys shouldn't change jobs. You should just stay. They're moving to Michigan. Like, who moves there? Everybody's moving here, and you guys are moving there. Um, that's my own personal beef with them. But... But that anxiety that you're feeling, come on up, Mary Beth, the anxiety that you're feeling, the restlessness you might be feeling, breathe. Breathe. God will open a door and move you. He will open a door and move you. And if he doesn't open a door and move you, settle in. Settle in. Don't divide your mind. Work for the Lord in the place he has you and watch his purposes fulfill. You, you might not see it until later, but he will change you and shape you into that. Now, I've asked Mary Beth to speak. Well, I formed this series with uh, Mary Beth. This is Pastor Chris Dodd's wife, and J uh, Jordan Berry, who is like the CEO of a company called Diaconia, because I wanted them to speak into, I know y'all don't think I work. <laughs> I mean, it's, at, least it's, at least I haven't heard in a long time. Well, what do you do all week? So I know y'all think. So... See, see, I know, I know what y'all think. So I thought I'd bring working people up to talk to you about, <laughs> about work purpose. And Mary Beth's lived in this world and other worlds. And so I want her to speak to you a little bit um, and then I'll come up and close. Good morning. So at 15 years old, I had the opportunity to go on my first mission trip. And we went to, I grew up in Michigan where you guys are getting ready to go. That mission and, field. <laughs> And we went to North Dakota to a reservation, and I was 15, and so I was in charge of watching all the other little kids while the parents and all the rest of the adults went and rebuilt houses. And one of the things that we worked on was this old, very dilapidated chapel that was on sort of this compound where we spent our time with all of these people that lived there. And in the evenings, when it would finally kind of, I could breathe a little bit because the parents were back and they were watching the kids, I would sneak into this chapel. And it was so falling apart, y'all, that one side of the, of the ceiling was falling in towards the back of like the sanctuary. And the front was still kind of standing. And so they would still worship in there. And so I would sneak into this chapel um, and I would spend time with God. And it was just a time in my life when I was really waking up and to him and wondering what it was that he wanted me to do with my life. And so I would go in there in those evenings, I would play the piano and sing, I would worship and I would pray. And it was the first time in my life, one of the nights while I was there where I really felt like God spoke to me. And I opened up the scripture and it was almost like these words of Jesus like were illuminated off the page. They jumped out at me so much. And the words were, follow me. And so I took that as a little 15-year-old girl as a vocational call. 
And so over the next couple of years, I had, to ta- I had to make decisions about college and what I wanted to do. And so I went into ministry school. I studied music. And then I took my first ministry position at 22 years old. If you haven't heard the story, they sent Chris to pick me up for the interview. And that was how we met. Um, and so I began what was then a, almost a 15-year career in full-time ministry. And during the, the second half, sort of, of that time, I like to say that necessity kind of called. <laughs> I was pregnant with our third son, and I started to dream up ways of how we could make extra money, because having three kids in diapers was going to throw our budget over the edge. And so I tried several things. At first, um, I had an online boutique before that was really even cool. It was called Classy and Sassy. You're welcome. Um, and, but that wasn't going to cut it. Eventually, I started selling some health and wellness products and built a, a pretty big business with that and found out that I was kind of accidentally good at sales. Didn't want to be, but I was. And so there I found myself. And really, I think what happens is sometimes God kind of brings to the surface something that he put, put in us, right, from the beginning. And so I realized that was something that I was skilled at, that I could do. And things just kind of grew from there. About five years into being an entrepreneur, I had the opportunity to add something to my plate that was a position that would allow me to travel all over the country, all over the world, um, speaking on, teaching on leadership in all kinds of rooms from arenas to kitchen tables and all over the place. And what a huge transition that was for me from ministry to that But the time kind of when both of them coincided and then that transition was some of the most difficult times in my life. And I remember when we came here, I remember Charlie said, we've been here for about seven years now, and I remember hearing Charlie say that this church is a place where people come, sometimes between transitions for ministry to find healing through ministry. And we've all, if you've been here a while, you've seen missionaries come in, you've seen pastors come in, sometimes go out. But what was really cool is that even though I was partnering with Chris in ministry here, God brought this place to me as a place of healing and a place also to transition into what he would have next for me. And in that difficult transition, I had a lot of questions for God. If you've ever made any kind of vocational transition, you may have had similar questions, but stuff like, is what I'm doing now good enough? Does this have as much purpose as what I was doing before? Am I still fulfilling the call that's on my life? Am I still within God's will? And so I want to share with you a few things that I have learned, and maybe I'm still learning, about purpose as it relates to my work. So the first thing is, stop waiting for life to meet your expectations before you step into purpose. How many times do we think, when this happens, then I can really step into what God's asking me to do, or then I can share about my faith or then I'll spend time with the Lord instead of just doing it right where you are right now. The next thing is don't try to satisfy God's purpose for your life with your dreams for your life. And you don't know how ironic and funny it is I would, ins- I would say that phrase. You guys, usually when I'm talking in a room, I'm teaching people how to dream how to think bigger. And I'm a big fan of that, but I just think that God's purpose is always bigger for us than we could ever imagine. It's so much bigger. And so don't get caught up in the dreams that you have for yourself and miss what he has for you. 
The work God wants to do in you and through you, he will do wherever he has you. He's not surprised where you are. If you've experienced failure, some of you have lost a job, lost a career, some of you had a dream career and it was time to step away, he's not surprised where you are. You didn't miss it. There's still time for you to do what God has you to do. You're not too old. Some of you might need to hear you're not too young for you to step into what he has for you. He's not waiting for you to arrive somewhere or to to suddenly get perfect and get to a certain place. He's going to work in you and through you right where you are if you will let him. So when I was in high school, I was in a choir, and we went to one of those choir festivals. Anybody ever been to one of those? A bunch of choirs come together, and you make this big mass choir, and he split us all into the different voice parts. So all the sopranos went into one room, all the tenors went into another room, and if you can't tell by my voice, I'm an alto, so all of us altos went into another room. And I remember this guest conductor coming in and saying, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that I got to work with the altos. And we were all like, what? Okay. Uh, And he said, everybody loves sopranos. They sing the highest. They always get the melody. They they get most of the solos. But I love the altos. I love the richness of your voice as an alto. I love the fact that you get to sing harmony parts. And and what I took from that as an adult, I mean, it took me years to kind of remember that story because that was pretty cool, right? Like he took this choir and just helped us to sing like we were singing the lead part. What I've taken from that is that in life, even when you feel like your part right now might be secondary, it feels like a harmony, you're not shining the way that you wish you could, you're not in the role that you want to be in, that you can sing it with everything that you have. You can sing it like it is your leading role, like it is your solo part, and you can bring your best. Charlie, I'll... Uh, mentioned already Colossians 3, and I'm going to show you guys the message version here. It says, do your best. Work from the heart for your real master for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. And I have just so found that to be true. Sometimes it takes some getting over ourselves, doesn't it? It takes some swallowing of pride so that we can step into whatever it is he has for us. I heard somebody say one time that purposes are written in Sharpie and plans in pencil. I'm not entirely sure that that wasn't you, Charlie, that said that. But I think in my life at 15, when God said those words to me, follow me, I think that was a Sharpie phrase for my life. And I think that all of us can take that. I think the incredible positions I've gotten to to hold or the people that I've served or different things that I've done, those are pencil. Those are plans and things that I got to do as a part of that greater purpose. Okay, I want to um, I want to speak a little bit to identity because I think it's so easy for us to take on work as identity. I think, you know, we see this when you meet somebody new, it's one of the first things that we say um, when we talk about kind of what we do and we so identify with those roles And I want to share this verse with you from Jeremiah 29. It says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I share this because what I've found is that when I seek him, I also find me. He is so faithful to kind of hold up a mirror and show you who you really are as you spend time with the Lord. 
And then when vocations come and go and things that we get to do on a daily basis come and go or change, our identity is so solid in who we are in Christ as a child of God. Okay, so how do we take all this kind of, okay, great information and and apply it? Because I want you to feel like you have something to take with you when Monday morning rolls around and it's going to be here before we know it. I think, you know, we, I could give you guys some practical tips about how to start a Bible study at lunchtime. <laughs> that would be great. I guess we could all take tracks, you know, to work and present the full gospel plan. But I think people more often are going to see Jesus when it's just coming out of the time that you've spent with him. And so I, that's my, my challenge to you is spend time with the Lord outside of what you're fed at church. I mean, I know it's awesome to be able to come to church or go to Bible study and grab a hold of something incredible and be fed in that way, but that's not going to replace the time that you need to spend with the Lord. It really is kind of an inside to the outside sort of thing as it relates to showing up at work. Another spiritual discipline outside of, you know, reading your Bible and praying, spending time with the Lord, listening is journaling. And I think oftentimes we just don't give it enough attention. We don't realize how key it is. And I'm not talking about like, dear diary, today I, or dear God, I'm talking about just opening up a conversation with God. And that can, that can happen through journaling. And I'm just going to share with you guys, this is a, a journal entry of mine from 2019 where um, I was kind of throwing a little bit of a fit with God. And I said, God, I don't want to give my life to the marketplace. And he said, I never asked you to give your life to the marketplace. I've asked you to give it up for my people. And I don't know that I realized that his people are everywhere, are they not? His people are in church, they're outside of church. His people are people that don't even know that they're his yet. And so that's what we get to do. When you carry Christ with you, that's for everywhere. That's ju- not just for when you walk into church. It's, it's supposed to go with us everywhere that we go. And so I want to give you some hope in that today. That God can do incredible things through you at work. And since I've been out of vocational ministry, I've seen people saved outside of business meetings or maybe they call me after and say, hey, there's something different. I want to know. I have questions. I baptized a friend named Teresa in a pool somewhere in Florida. Um, I've had crazy opportunities to pray with people. It just happened two weeks ago. I was emceeing an event, and a lady came up to me, and I prayed with her. This stuff happens, but it didn't happen so often until I really made myself open to it, and I said, yes, God, I'm going to let you use me where you have me. I'm going to say yes. So I think, you know, it's, it's kind of like being a marketplace missionary. That's the way that I see my role in my life right now. And I think so many of you are probably called to the exact same thing. And that's kind of a fancy way, maybe, marketplace missionary, to say that we're disciples. If you're following Jesus, we're disciples. We're not perfect ones, but if you've ever read the Bible, pretty much none of them are. Am I right? Uh, band, you guys can come on up. But when you say yes to being a disciple of Jesus, it doesn't stop when you get to work. It doesn't stop if you don't go into a job. It's an all-consuming, full-of-purpose way to live your life. So I want to say this, bring God to work, 
but bring him everywhere else with you too. You know, it was, it was uh, I should have sort of searched for it and I didn't. My week was a little busy. Um, we did this uh, Take God to Work With You on Monday series years and years ago and I wrote a prayer. Um, uh, seems like I remember several people telling me they taped the prayer to their computer screen on Take God to Work on Monday. Um, when, when you, come on up team, when you recognize um, that your work has purpose, you do work differently, don't you? Everybody knows if you drag yourself in and drag yourself out. You, you, you think they, they don't know that. They know that. I was sitting on a bench outside of Bulldog Tire in Monroe, Georgia, getting my father-in-law's oil changed, doing the list of things that he didn't get to before he went in the hospital. And um, guy was sweeping up the floor, and he said, um, I thanked him. I said, man, this place looks great. It's great sitting sitting in a waiting room, sitting outside with a place that looks good. Thank you. And he said, um, he said, you're a Christian, aren't you? Now, I don't always get that. <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I am. He said, well, my Bible was sticking out of my briefcase. He said, well, I saw your Bible. And he said, but you're kind. Again, I don't always get that. <laughs> and I went, really? He said, yeah, you know, when you get God inside of you, since he's bigger than you, then some of him always has to come out. I'm like, dude, who are you here sweeping up this floor? It just was an awesome little exchange with Stephen on that. We're going to talk about work as worship. We're going to talk about work as your parish. Um, but what you're doing right now, can, can I assure you that you are in the right place right now? You are in the right place right now. It might not be always the right place. It might not be the right place Thursday. But you're in the right place right now. And if you're, if you're churning around your workplace and the people you're working with and all that, can I just encourage you that God is shaping you right now. It's part of his purpose. He's shaping you right now where you are. He's doing that. Let him do it. Fighting shaping looks like, woe is me. That's fighting shaping, woe is me, right? Because that elevates me above what God wants to do. Why me delays the shaping. Why me, why me, why me? Can't, can't shape you while you're, while you're too busy asking yourself why you're in that position, all right? God is providing for you right now through that employer or that business or those customers. He is supplying for you. You might not, I haven't met a person yet hardly says he's supplying enough. But he reminded me, even this week, the quail came every day. The manna came every day. All right? So you got enough for today? I know we live in America. We want enough for next month. We want the next decade. You got enough for today? God's doing his work. And he is so excited to go to work with you on Monday or tonight or whatever. He's excited about that because he's created you for this. And he's happy when you work alongside him. There was a particular day, I don't know what I did or why I was moping around the station. And my dad very rarely talked to me in this manner. He came to me and he said, son, get in your truck and go home. I said, well, what, what, because I knew, boy, if he sent me home, this was going to be a problem. And I said, why? He said, the way you're dragging around here, I don't want you here. 
You're no good to me. You're no good to a customer. I, 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 I straightened up pretty, pretty doggone fast. And I realized what he was saying. I don't want to drag around with my work with the Father. I want him to see that I'm happy and excited to work with him and him with me. So during our response time, you might need to do some adjustments. You might need a spiritual chiropractor today around your work, but you can do it because he's, he's here to do it with you. So you can always receive communion to the left or right. You can come to the altar. I pray, boy, I, I know you're going to sing build my life or whatever, and you can do that because <laughs> you're my guest. But man, that... That freedom song, and I'm, I'm serious, I don't want you to switch, but I'm just saying when I was singing every loss and every loss and every victory, you, re, you really can grab a hold of some faith today. You really can. He's here to give you that. And if that means you need to get up here and pray in the altar, remember movement matters, right? Move today. So Father, in this time, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, pour life into us now. Lord, I know there's some people anxious about even will they have a job. We have people moving for jobs that they don't even know having stepped foot in yet. Lord, I pray that you would sweep over them. Sweep over them, Lord. The peace that only you can bring by your presence in this moment. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.